we're back. We're talking million dollar careers. As uh, as always, I've got my good buddy Rob Houghton with me. Rob's up in uh, Northern Winchester, Virginia area. Good morning, Craig. Rob, How are you, Rob? Man? What is going on? Well, it was below zero last night. It's cold up here, man. Cold. We had a lot but, of rain. A lot of rain, huh? We had a lot of rain last night. But it was fifty degrees when I woke up this morning, so I'm not going to complain. Nice, man. All no, good. man. I I feel a lot safer this morning. Now that that balloon got shot down, so all's good, man. I was yeah, only f- about that thing. Only, uh, only four, only four more, and the uh, the pilot of that F twenty two becomes a, a balloon ace, right? <laughs> exactly. I'm sure he's got a nickname now for shooting. He's saying, come, "Come on, Beijing, send a few more, help a brother out." <laughs> I can see his call sign on the side of the plane now. You know, balloon man or something. There you go. There you go. That. Uh... There's a song about it. Robin Hitchcock. I don't know if you remember him back in the eighties, Robin Hitchcock sang a song about balloon, man. Yeah. But, uh, Interesting. It's all good. No, it's all good, man. Hey, so I was out in, uh, I wanted to talk. I was out in California last week at uh, an aviation week conference. I spoke at this uh, aviation week conference and sat with a partner in a private equity firm. And they're, they're starting to struggle a little bit with, you know, the mindset of the executives that are attract you know the mindset of executives who are getting attracted to portfolio companies private equity portfolio companies and we had a very candid conversation that there needs to be a shift in the mindset too many big company people trying to bring big company ideas to private equity and it's they're not gelling and they don't understand the game I think it's like playing American football, the difference between American football and rugby a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you ever have that issue? You ever think, you know, you, you think about that in your business and what expectations are? Yeah. So on the insurance company side, the insurance agencies, I see that a lot with uh, producers or salespeople. They come into an insurance agency or I'll call them up and say, hey, I've got a great opportunity for you understand you're a good sales guy and he'll say yeah i'm interested in the opportunity but they have to pay me x and i said why would they pay you x and their response usually is because i'm a great salesman so then my next response is well instead of making a hundred fifty thousand dollars salary plus a small bonus why don't you work for like eighty thousand dollars a year and then make 50 percent commissions and i usually get a blank stare because if you're as good as you say you are Within two years, you should be making a half a million dollars and you could own your own book of business and you could be essentially an owner because you own your book of business. What's wrong with that? And they always keep coming back to, well, I think I'm worth 150,000. And then my response is, I'm sorry, but what you are is a bureaucrat. Yeah. You're not really an owner. I mean, there's, you know, there's owners and temps. You're a temp. Yeah. Or an owner. So yeah, you, it happens all the time in the insurance business. Look, I'm a, you know, I'm pretty candid about this. You know, salespeople are only good. You know, look, if you need to, if you need a big base, you're probably not that great a salesperson. Exactly right. I mean, that's just pretty candid with it. What are your people? Oh, I need this big base salary because I'm worth it. Well, I'll tell you what, instead of me paying you that big base salary, why don't you work for five grand a month base, 60 grand? Because ultimately, 
good salespeople don't care about the base. Of course. They care about how much, you know, how much money can I make? Can I make a million dollars? Exactly. You can make a million dollars, but if you can make a million dollars, what do you care about? If you're so good that you can produce, you know, enough revenue to drive a million dollars in commissions. I know people out there selling business jets right now that are making a million dollars. Yeah. I think you have to, yeah, I think you have to be motivated to make money and create wealth. For instance, my brother's a private equity guy, okay? He bought a firm probably like five years ago that's in the fruits and vegetables business. They process fruits and vegetables, they package it up and they sell it to like, you know, hospitality, you know, like assisted living and, you know, places that have cafeterias. So they they have like a manufacturing warehouse. It's cold, it's damp, there's a lot of machinery. Mm-hmm. There's, it's just a, it's just not really, I mean, it's an uncomfortable place to work. So he bought this company. Now he's running that company, okay, because he couldn't find a good CEO, couldn't find a good COO. So he, but he had the mentality going into that, that I may have to roll up my sleeves and get my hands dirty. You know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying? So he's in there like working eight to five as the CEO and he's down on the line, making sure the lettuce is cut correctly making sure the packaging, transportation, supply lines, you know, distribution channels. Mm-hmm. And it's because he's a private equity guy. He's not a bureaucrat. He knows the numbers and everything, but he's basically running his own portfolio company now Yeah, down in the trenches. And he said, the issue that I have is I hire these CEOs from consulting companies, like from McKinsey or something. These guys come in, they don't want to roll up their sleeves and go down and see what's going on on the lettuce line or or, or actually talk to the truckers. Mm-hmm. They're in there doing spreadsheets. And he says, I've learned my lesson. I'm not hiring any more of these guys. He calls them bureaucrats. Yeah. He says, I want the guy that's determined, that's got grit, that gets his hand dirty, that embraces the uncomfortable. That's what I want. Yeah. Well, yeah. How many people times do you have somebody that says, I want something entrepreneurial? And I, and I shake my head. I go, okay, but I want a big salary. I want a big base. I want to be entrepreneur, but I want a big base. And I go, look, here's what entrepreneur looks like. And, and I know you're the same canoe. On January 1 every year, I start $100,000 in the hole. Exactly. Right. I'm a hundred grand in the hole. I'm starting at negative. I got my office rent. You know, this beautiful office behind me costs money. I got all my systems, all my IT, all the subscriptions, medical insurance alone for, you know, my medical insurance is almost 30,000 bucks a year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My travel, you know, this conference I went to last week, just, you know, that's by the time it was all said and done, airfare, 3000 bucks. It's a hundred thousand dollars in the hole. Yeah. Plus, you got to pay yourself. Plus, if yeah. if if, if you want to retire with maximum security, you got to pay yourself yeah. one hundred sixty grand. So yeah. You throw payroll taxes on top of that. That's oh yeah, 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 yeah. So we now you're ta- in the hole three hundred thousand. I don't want to talk about taxes. I mean, if I, if, yeah, like yeah, some guys, you know, you know like, yeah, we, I paid. You know, my taxes were probably three times what the guy made just taxes alone. Yeah, but I look at it and I go, you know, that's what entrepreneur is. But and I wouldn't go back for a. Yeah, I've I've, I've had a couple of offers in the last. 12 months for people that hey, come on over and work for us. We'll pay you. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want your salary. Yeah. It's like, no, I don't want to be a temp. I yeah. want to just kill an elephant. I'll eat an elephant and we're good. You know, I don't yeah. want, you know, that's it. That's what entrepreneurism is. When you see people, Jack Kennedy, platform science, setting off and starting his own company. Yeah. Great. That's called entrepreneur. And he did it out of his own pocket. 
Yeah. I know a couple other guys that started their own companies out of their own pocket. And they're like, that's entrepreneur. They're uncomfortable. They're yeah. scared. They're anxious. They're frustrated. Their hair gets prematurely gray. And women do the same. Yeah. It's the same thing with women. It's entrepreneurism is, yeah, starting a hundred grand in the hole, being visibly uncomfortable. And, you know, uh, and a 24 hour focus on the business. I've started up three companies in my life. And I can tell you, it's the same thing every time. The first year is like, what in the heck was I thinking about? And the second year is you can barely see the light at the end of the tunnel and you don't know if it, if, yeah. if it's the train coming towards you or if it's, or if it's an opening. And then after you suffer through that for two years, the third year is like, I think this is going to work. Yeah. And it's then the funny. fourth year, you're like, why didn't I think of this earlier? It's always the same pattern. You know, you know it's funny. It was, I, I read this book uh, by David Goggins. I think it's called You Can't Hurt Me. And 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 it's an interesting, you know, uh, you know he's on Joe Rogan podcast quite a bit. And he's a this freak of an athlete, ultra marathoner and stuff. But he, he talked about he went through hell week, SEAL training, hell week three times because the first two times he got injured. They made him, you know, he finished it, but he came back and, you know, he's like, Every time he's like, why am I here? Exactly right. But then he starts to figure out, then the, the mind, what can I accomplish? Exactly. What am I capable of? Yeah. That's what an entrepreneur is. It's not, I need this big base and I'll work, you know, whatever else, but I'm really good and I'll make you a lot of money. You know, at the end of the day, you know, but to go to a private equity portfolio company means you got to think like an entrepreneur. And it means cash is king because you think about, EBITDA, if everything in private equity is EBITDA driven, if you're taking a $300,000 salary when you could take 150 and work for the upside and the equity, you know, you're hurting the company because that salary counts against EBITDA. You're hurting a company by the tune of about $3 million. Yeah. EBITDA is 10%, you know. Or 10, 10X, right? You know, if you figure that $150,000 that you have to, we have to pay you extra, put that against a 10X multiple. It's a million five. How much? You know, what if we what if we just gave you half of that million five in equity? You know, you'd you be happy. You know, yeah. But you're working for it. Yeah. So I think that's why you're so good at what you do, Craig, because you understand what it takes to be an entrepreneur. So when you see it, you probably know it because it's all about attributes, it's not necessarily about skills and experience on a resume. It's about attributes, the, the determination, the, the tolerance of risk. You know what I'm saying? The, the entrepreneurial, yeah. uh, you know, sp spirit of somebody, you, a guy like you, because you've been, because you've been there and done that, you can recognize that. And that's what your clients value you for. Well, I think that, yeah, like Lisa, my wife, my, yeah, you know, she's very comfortable when we started this exercise 15 years ago, because she grew up in small businesses. Both of her parents were entrepreneurs. Yeah. Mom owned a, a lady's clothing shop. And her father owned a travel agency and they did very well. They each did in their own right. They, they both did very, very well. She's like, Hey, look, I'm comfortable. I'm cool with small business, but you can't go to a small, you can't go to a small insurance company with an Aon mentality or a Willis Watson mentality. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You can't go to a, you can't go to a private equity portfolio company with a Boeing mentality. Right. You know, everything has to be signed in triplicate. You can't be a systems manager. I call it the tugboat. It's the tugboat captain. I read your article on the tugboat. That's a fascinating article, actually. It's the tugboat. It really is true. You know? Yeah, you think about it. You know? I think I'd, I'd, I'd rather be the tugboat guy. Yeah. Think about the military. You know, They're breaking things down in smaller teams. You know, who's getting all the glory right now? 
army, yeah, army rangers, green berets, navy seals. Yeah, exactly. Small, effective, highly trained teams. And then if you break those teams down, like on a typical SF team, a Green Beret team, it's a team of 12 people. There's 11 non-commissioned officers, E4 to, you know, E7 typically. The top guy is the captain. Yep. So what does the captain do on the team? He provides leadership, but I mean, 99.9% of the operations are carried out by those 11 guys. And those 11 guys I like the tugboat guy, you know, those are the guys that are down in the weeds, making command and control decisions. It's a very decentralized unit and that's the way it's designed. And that's the way the United States has the best uh, soft, you know, special operation forces than, than anyone in the world, because it's a very decentralized unit. All those, everyone on that team is an owner. Everyone on that team has extreme ownership. There is no hierarchy to a large extent. It's all decentralized, a flat organization. Uh, every one of those people is exactly like you described. They don't have any egos. They're, they're just in there mm -hmm. doing unconventional things, unconventional ways and getting the job done. It's sort of like the guy that you're looking for at a private equity company. You're looking for a guy who's comfortable get, getting, in, get, getting in the weeds and doing the stuff that no one else wants to do or can do. It's not gonna be like that. I had a client. 20 years ago, not quite, maybe. A guy named Jim Booth. Jim was out of Nowhereville, West Virginia, and he was a great athlete. He became a, he became a tennis country club tennis pro. He wanted to be an entrepreneur. He didn't want to, you know, there's no money in being a tennis pro, right? And he, <laughs> wanted, he moved to Florida, and he's a tennis pro. And he wanted to be an entrepreneur. And he applied to McDonald's to get a couple franchises. He, they turned him down a couple of times. Wow. And finally, he went through McDonald's University, and he was able to get his first store, I think in Palm Beach area, somewhere around there. And um, he turned it around. He, he bought a failing McDonald's and completely turned it around. And then he bought another McDonald's, failing McDonald's, and he completely turned it around. Yeah, whatever. And then he sold those. And had a pile of cash. Then he bought four more. McDonald's. Next thing I know, he's talking like, how many McDonald's do you have now? And he goes, oh, I think I have 15 or 16. I got 15 or 16. But he's also on the, you know, he's also on the, you know, the Honda Classic, the PGA, the Honda, you know, he was on the board of advisors for that. Really? And he said something really interesting to me. And he goes, I meet these big company CEOs. And he goes, they're brilliant guys. He goes, they're absolutely brilliant. They just don't have the courage to do what I did. Oh, I know. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, yep. And he's absolutely right. Yeah, it does take courage. You're exactly right. He's like, they, they didn't have the courage. And I think, you know, you think about, you know, people who want the entrepreneur, entrepreneurial opportunity. They want to make a lot of money. They want to create a lot of wealth. Creating wealth and a big paycheck and a big salary are not necessarily synonymous terms. Exactly. Yeah, you have to uh, you have to embrace the suck. You have to be willing to to, to take on risk, and uh, you have to be confident in your abilities because not everybody can be a successful entrepreneur. Yeah. Nope, that's why they get paychecks. Yeah, it's like uh, I go to these golf tournaments or tennis tournaments, and I see all these big time CEOs there, and I talk to them, and 
in most cases, I'm just totally underwhelmed. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, this guy has no idea what it's like to like really build and grow a company. Yep. No idea. Yep. It's a different mindset. And I, and, and I don't know how to get people to flip that switch. But you know, I don't think you can get, I think it's up to guys like you and me to recognize someone who either has that or they don't have it. And that's what our mm -hmm. clients pay us for. I can detect that very easily. Like when I have lunch back before the pandemic, where I used to actually meet everybody, you know, face to face for lunch or dinner. Mm -hmm. If it was a guy that wanted to be a producer for one of my clients, I'd sit down with him and I ask him the, the, the first question I ask him, what is it that really motivates you? What is it? If I don't hear, I want to make a lot of money and create a lot of wealth. If I don't hear that, they're not a sales guy. If I hear, well, I want to help people. I want to, you know, improve efficiencies or mm -hmm. I want to service people, or help people. Yep. That was always a short lunch. Oh, I got a phone call. I got to run. I'm really sorry, man. <laughs> and usually sticking with the check. <laughs> as, as, a, as a CEO, a guy named Roger Wolf once said to me, yeah. Roger Wolf said it very succinctly. He goes, all I need is people who will make me a lot of money or save me a lot of money. There you go, man. Everybody else is overhead. Exactly. And here's what really pisses me off. And I'll just say it straight up. So I was, I was reading the article on Google. You know, Google just had, they laid off like 15,000 people. In those layoffs, are you ready for this? 27 full-time massage therapists. Really? And I'm like, if they got that fat, I mean, that's just a symptom of the overall problem. 27 yeah. full-time massage therapists. And then, you know, you see Elon Musk, you know, he's auctioning off the, you know, latte machines and, you know, all this other, you know, junk. And they're saying now Google is saying, hey, no more happy hours. And we're really so much fat got in that organization that they had to lay off 15,000 people. And you know what the crazy thing about that whole thing was, is that I don't look at that as any form of economic contagion, you know, like Amazon and Apple. Everybody. It was a social contagion because yep. what it was, was that everybody followed everyone else. Everybody expected it. And on the way down. Everybody expected it. FOMO. Everybody yeah. expected it. Yeah. And, you know, look, I go to California last week. I can, you know, I can afford first class. Just because I can afford it doesn't mean I buy it. Exactly. Right. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing. You know, you're working, you know, you're working for a company. They want you to go take a business trip. You know, you get a nice hotel. You go stay at a Marriott Bonvoy versus the Ritz Carlton. You know, yep. you, you go buy a seat on JetBlue or American Airlines. You know, you don't need business. You know, look, I'm more comfortable in the exit row. Uh, yeah, I'm more comfortable in the exit row than I am in first class. And oh, by the way, in the exit row in American, if you're up towards the front, you get a free cocktail too. Actually, yeah, they'll give you two. Um, and if you're nice, uh, they'll give you three. And, yeah. and if you're nice, they'll give you three. And I'm like, what do I get in first class? Nothing. Yeah. Half price. That's the way people got to start to think if yeah, they want yeah, the yeah. private equity, the entrepreneurial roles, yeah. and they want to start making money. Yeah, I totally agree, man. Cool. Good, man. How do people get all of you? You're doing a lot of coaching these days. Doing a lot of executive coaching. I'm I'm branching into uh, health coaching and, and life coaching. It, it's a lot of fun. 
but yeah, I'm still primarily insurance recruiting. Uh, I'm all over the internet, all over LinkedIn. I do blogs, podcasts. You can find me at rob at mrfairfax.com or my website, www.mrfairfax.com. And it's always great hanging out with you, man. Awesome. Loved it, Rob. Yeah, man. Do it again next week. All right, brother. We'll Talk see you. I hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Aerospace Executive Podcast. You can reach out to me directly, Craig at NorthStarESG.com, or check us out at www.NorthStarESG.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or on YouTube. Just do a search for Aerospace Executive Podcast. Thanks again. I'm Craig Pickett.